Hi everyone, this is Rachel Dunstan. Thank you for joining me for my project. I do want to give a disclaimer that although I'm here to give you some helpful hints and ways to help you have a better mental health outlook, this is not um, intended to replace um, professional help. If you are in crisis or you feel like you cannot keep yourself safe or anyone else safe, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room or call the National Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. I'd also like to remind you that UMSL does provide counseling services and they can be reached at 314-516-5711. They're open Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 4.30. Your safety is of utmost importance. Thank you for listening. everyone. If you're still listening to this third and final podcast, I really appreciate you um, for coming along with this journey. I hope that you've been able to benefit from using Synvelo, um, incorporating some stress management tools, replacing some negative thoughts and reframing them, um, practicing mindfulness in your own personal way that fits into your daily journey. Um, maybe even swapping out some bad nutrition habits for some new ones and getting some daily movement. Um, I hope that you've been able to find some tools to put into your toolbox. Today, I wanted to uh, bring up the positive side of stress, that maybe stress isn't all that bad. Um, I just sort of wanted to reframe it and think of a new way of looking at anxiety to improve your health and to make you happier. We are more stressed out today than ever before. I mean, we, this is no doubt, we're living in a pandemic, we're nurses, we're grad students, um, and all of this perpetual pressure can take its toll. Um, there's no doubt that chronic stress is possibly the largest cause of aging that we have. Um, but if we approach our stress in ways that we can emphasize the positive rather than negative, then um, we can consider stress to be a motivator uh, rather than something that is emotionally debilitating. Um, and our body's response can possibly be changed. You know, stress is an automatic response. Um, it's our fight or flight response. We know this as nurses. Um, you're faced with sudden danger, your body goes into high gear, flooding the bloodstream with hormones that elevate your heart rate, increase your blood pressure, send more oxygen to your muscles to help you get ready to either do battle or flee from the scene. You know, nowadays though, this alarm system may be activated in more benign ways, um, like being cut off in traffic or running late to pick up your kid from school. These are fairly a dysfunctional response though, because it's not like being late or being cut off in traffic is a life or death situation. And when your body is constantly bathed in these stress hormones, it can create a host of well-being health issues. Um, and while we all are going to experience stress to one degree or another, um, if we can reframe it uh, into a positive situation, we can um, help med mediate, mitigate 
the harmful side effects of stress. So, um, we want to take what, what I call the half full approach, you know, if we can view stress as positive, it can be a motivator instead of a destructive factor in our life. There've been uh, several studies that terms the stress mindset, um, that found viewing stress as, as having a positive impact can lead to an increased productivity and improved emotional and physical health. There is a growing body of literature demonstrating that stress can enhance health performance and well-being. The degree to which stress produces beneficial or harmful effects depends largely on the mindset through which stress is viewed. Stress can mean a boost of energy when you need to finish a project under a deadline. It can also be viewed as a challenge that can help you grow and gain experience. Research has shown that stress in the workplace can lead employees to taking more initiative. Experts say that a stressful experience can change individuals for the better by helping to develop mental toughness and heightened awareness as a well as well as a deeper relationship and greater anticipation for life. Consider a job interview that might make your heart pound, your palms sweat. For some that's negative, but you can fi also find the positive in that. It's a chance to practice your interview skills. You make a new connection. It's a way to learn to grow. Changing your attitude can help you thrive when facing ordinary stress, and it can also spill over into a more traumatic, stressful situations as you realize you can handle emotional difficulties. Developing that mental toughness is basically an example of becoming resilient. Resi resiliency is a very important factor of managing stress. We all have seen examples of resiliency. We've probably all seen them this year um, with facing the pandemic and people getting sick, people getting better, people losing loved ones and having to go on, uh, having to rebuild your life from a tragedy, um, build resiliency. You know, it's the measurement of a person's capacity to recover fully from an adverse event. Um, psychologists say that resiliency can be learned. So that's the good news. It's not something that we either possess or don't possess. So if times are tough for you right now, you can take um, steps to strengthen your resiliency. And even if you're not struggling right now, adapting these habits now can help you down the road. Um, first and foremost, we have to train our brain to expect that things are going to get better. If you fall into a rough patch or something bad happens, it doesn't mean that tomorrow you won't be happy, the next week you won't be happy, and so forth. Um, if you're expecting only bad things to happen, you're not going to be able to become resilient because what would be the point of pushing on? What would make the difference? So we have to train our brain to become optimistic. And that is the single bi biggest factor in recovering from adversity. It's what makes some of us seek out solutions to our troubles instead of just hiding under the covers in your bed. 
The second thing to becoming resilient is to not cut off your social circle. There's no shortage of reasons to why having a support system helps us get through tough times. I know sometimes it's hard to answer the phone call or send the text back or send an email, but friends and loved ones can provide an invaluable distraction from our negative thoughts. When we're feeling isolated, they remind us that we're attached to a group and that we're important to someone. They could also provide a fresh perspective. They may not be in the middle of something that's difficult or or an act of grief. So people from your outside group can show you a broader picture and say, yes, right now what you're going through is horrible, but let's look for a possible positive outcome. Social support is among the protective factors that increase our odds of having a high resiliency when faced with a daunting adverse event. It enables us to process the experience and focus on solutions. Another important um, factor to help integrate resiliency um, into our life is to tickle your funny bone. As nurses, as first responders, we understand that being resilient to traumatic stress comes from humor at times. Um, Humor is one of the most important protective factors. Humor dampens down our natural fight or flight response to negative events and lowers our stress hormones. It also shifts our perception of a difficult situation from an emergency to a less distressing issue. So we can calm down, look at it from different angles and cope with it better. When you feel that you have done your best, you can address questions like, why did this happen? It helps you take a break in experiencing something that makes you laugh. It will not only help you feel better in the moment, but it will allow you to adapt to the reality that you're faced with. We as nurses have all experienced something tragic happening at work, during a code, um, if you work in the emergency room for sure, and that you just sort of develop this humor to cope with what you're seeing. And that is actually a protective factor in resiliency. Something else to remember is that this too shall pass. Trying to remind yourself when you're feeling down that this is not a forever emotion. This is not forever. Life is not gonna be this way forever. It will subside and you will get better. Things will get better. Your situation will get better. And having that, that optimistic outlook doesn't make the day better but it will make tomorrow or the next day better. The last way to help cultivate um, resiliency is to count your blessings. Feeling grateful is something that we can actively work on. It improves our overall well-being and helps us cope with our troubles. I just wanted to touch on the benefits of practicing gratitude. Um, The benefits are nearly endless. Basically, it comes down to being mindful throughout your day. 
but uh, people who regularly practice gratitude by taking time to notice and reflect upon the things they're grateful for experience more positive emotions, they feel more alive, they sleep better, they express more compassion and kindness, and they even have stronger immune systems. And, you know, we need to remember that gratitude doesn't need to be reserved for giant monumentous occasions. We can be grateful for our cup of coffee, for the moment of silence, for a great piece of pie. And regularly writing brief reflections on moments, which we are thankful for by keeping a gratitude journal, can significantly increase well-being and life satisfaction. And, you know, you'd think that just one of these findings would be compelling enough to motivate um, you t me to integrate these into action. But if you're like me, sometimes that motivation only lasts for a few days. And then I want to go sit on the couch and watch stand-up comments on Netflix. But here are a few keys that I've discovered and research supports that help not only to start a gratitude practice, but maintain it for a long haul. Freshen up your thanks. The best way to reap the benefits of gratitude is to notice new things that you're grateful for every day. Gratitude journaling works because it slowly changes the way we perceive situations by adjusting what we focus on. While you might always be thankful for a great family, just writing, I'm grateful for my family week after week after week doesn't help keep your brain on alert for fresh, grateful moments. Get specific by writing, today my husband gave me a shoulder rub when he knew I was really stressed. Or my sister invited me over for dinner so I didn't have to cook after a long day. And be sure to stretch yourself beyond the great stuff right in front of you. Opening your eyes to more of the world around you can deeply enhance your gratitude practice. Make a game out of noticing new things each day. Get real about your gratitude practice. Being excited about the benefits of gratitude can be a great thing because it gives us a kick we need to start making changes. But if our excitement about sleeping better because of our newfound gratitude keeps us from it anticipating how tired we'll be tomorrow night when we attempt to journal, we're likely to fumble and lose momentum. When we want to achieve a goal using the technique of mental contrasting, being optimistic about the benefits of a new habit while also being realistic about how difficult building the new habit may be, leads us to exert more effort. Recognize and plan for the obstacle that may get in the way. For instance, if you tend to be exhausted at night, accept that that may not be the best time to focus on for a few extra minutes and schedule your gratitude in for the morning instead. Make thankfulness fun by mixing it up. Sometimes the gratitude journaling isn't right for you, or maybe it gets boring or stale. One thing that we incorporated was making a gratitude jar. So every um, day I would put a piece, I would write on a piece of paper something that I'm grateful for and stick it in a jar. This makes it more exciting. It makes it new. It makes it a way to incorporate it with the whole family. My kids can write on a piece of paper and stick it in the jar. Um, and it just makes it a little more meaningful and keeps me and my family on the lookout for something to be grateful for. 
Something else you can do is be social about your gratitude. Our relationships with others is the greatest determinant of our happiness, so it makes sense to think of other people as we build our gratitude. Focus our gratitude on people for whom we're thankful for rather than circumstances or material items, and this will enhance the benefits that we experience. And while you're at it, why not include others directly in the expression of your, of your gratitude? You could write a gratitude letter to them and how they have impact, an impact on you and you could properly thank them. everyone if you've made it this far into the three podcasts i just wanted to let you know how much i appreciate you um you guys are all amazing i know that your time is valuable and i honor your time i hope that you are were able to take away something and put it in your toolbox to help you live a better life a less stressful life um, a life full of gratitude and um, mental well-being stay safe and be well. Thank you so much.